Hey, what's going on, family? We got a great guest on today, uh, Trevor West. Um, it's, he's going to be talking some 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 great stuff. But before that, let's get into some uh, some admin stuff. Make sure if you're listening to this, uh, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you're if you're um, listening to this on podcast, make sure you leave us an honest review. We'd really appreciate those. If you have any suggestions on how we can improve the the uh, show, then let us know, man. Like we actually we actually read those and uh, we'll try to implement those as well. So. It's good stuff. And then also, if you're not tracking already, we do have the Facebook group. Um, we got a, we got like 2.1, uh, like 2000, over 2000 followers, right? Our um, members of the group right now, which is absolutely phenomenal. Every single day we go on there and I see more and more people like giving out advice and commenting and things like that. It's just, it's just great to see, man, really building this community. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, other than that, man, what's going on with you, Mike? Nothing much, man. You know, we're, we're out here grinding in the Charlotte market. Um, we're, we're rocking and rolling. Got quite a few under contract, getting the ball rolling with, we have about 10 agents now, right? So, and for everybody who's not aware, our agents, you know, they're trained from the ground up with how to work with investors. So if you guys are interested in working with an agent in our markets, great. But if you are looking for an agent who knows investing anywhere in the well, I can say the world, but let's just stick with the United States for now. <laughs> we can we can help you guys find one. Um, Switzerland. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, got, we got Brazil, <laughs> Colombia, all these places. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, things are going really well on my end. Um, finally got things settled in around here or the apartment complex. So what about you, man? How's everything going with you? It's going, it's going good, man. Still in the still in the duplex, uh so still in the, the residential multifamily search right now in Savannah, dude. Like bro it's it's a hot market and uh you know my wife wanted to do this one by herself so just a quick tip out there for anybody that's dual military right um both of you guys don't have to be on the same the same va loan at the same time you can use like um i can use my va loan and do the the two point i think it's 2.4 percent funding fee the first time we use it and then she can also use her va loan and we can kind of go back and forth because as we know we can use the va loan multiple times right so as we pcs you know i might use the va loan for you know to do a house hack on a multifamily home here, the next place we PCS, she might do a uh, um, use her VA loan to, to use it. So we can continue to kind of go back and forth. And honestly, it kind of allows you to acquire more properties. And that's just not, not just with the VA loan, but if you're uh, the FHA loan, you know, you can switch between loan products and stuff like that for anybody that's not military. So just a, just a quick, quick tip out there, but that's really what we're on right now. <clears throat> just uh, trying to find uh, something that that's suitable, but man, like it's, it's, it's hot. Stays, stuff stays on the market for like two days and uh, then, you know, people are bringing cash offers and stuff like that. So we'll see. And then we're, we're dealing with the, uh, the STR. It's really, really strict with the, um, the uh, short-term rental licenses here. You know, they're getting really strict with that. So um, certain districts, it, you know, they, they don't transfer from ownership to new owner. If that makes sense. So, yeah. and, and applying for it after, so it's pretty much maxed out on 20% in all the districts. So if you, uh, if you want an STR, they, they don't, they won't give more um, licenses um, to, to people if they're already at the 20% threshold for however many units are in that specific district, right? Gotcha. So they've already met the, the threshold and then there's people on the waiting list. So that if you're trying to buy a new place with the intent to um, rent it out um, through Airbnb, right? You got to apply for the license. So you're, you're probably not going to be able to do that for the first maybe year or so um, that you actually own the asset because there's such a long waiting list. And, you know, they're really, really strict uh, when it comes to even owner occupants, which is, which is strange. So um, that's one of the things we're dealing with right now. We're trying to figure that piece out. But um, other than that, you know, just, uh, just living life, man, living life. Love it, man. That's a very interesting thing about the short term rental. I want to keep you keep us posted on that. I might need to do a video for the audience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so Trevor West, uh, he is in Switzerland, right? He's uh, vacationing yeah. in Switzerland right now, hanging out there. Um, and he was able to jump on this podcast. He's got us up early in the morning. You see Mike wiping his eyes yeah, right now, still, you know, so still hurting. <laughs> early on a Saturday mornings, good stuff. But, um, but yeah, he's got a great story and you can see the passion through his uh, through his storytelling, through his, you know, how he's presenting his information. He's just got some great, great tidbits of information. And then his, his actual journey is is excellent as well. Just just listen to that. It's very, very inspiring. So uh, make sure you, you listen in on that. Mike. Yeah, absolutely. He, this is this. He's a young guy. Right. 
extremely passionate, extremely focused, did not take a traditional route to success as many of us would think, you know, is necessary. Right out of high school, went into the military, right? <clears throat> did his thing in the military, then decided after eight years, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. I'm going to develop myself and become a real estate investor. His first deal ever, he had to basically fire the property manager and evicted tenant, you know, almost like overnight, like it was bad because he deployed when this happened. Yet he still was able to acquire over 14 doors in his first year as an investor, right? Then he's also licensed as an agent too, right? So the, the types of nuggets that this dude is dropping, um, some great quotes from some great people, some of the stuff I've never heard. I know Dan mentioned some of the stuff you've never heard. I was like, God, I wrote it down, new tattoo, right? So, so uh, guys, you guys have to just listen to this um, and reach out to this guy. Very inspirational kid. I'm doing some great things. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glassby, and this is the Military Cashflow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Military Cash Flow. Today we got Trevor West on, a great guest. Going to find out a lot about his journey and and how he started to scale from zero to fourteen units. So uh, let's go, man! I'm really, really excited to hear about this one. Uh, can you first tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, uh, and and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the intro. Uh, definitely happy to be here. Like you said, my name is Trevor West. I um, I'm from Ohio originally. Um, and then, of course, the military brought me down to, to North Carolina, um, just kind of transitioning from, you know, high school to what I was going to do afterwards. You know, high, uh, college just definitely was not the answer for me. So the military is kind of where I, I took my steps, just following along with, you know, wanting to be around like-minded brothers and sisters. Um, and then, you know, I, I got a job as an intelligence analyst, um, finishing up the last five years of my military career. Uh, I worked at a special operations unit supporting pararescue men and combat controllers um, in, you know, austere and deployed locations, which really taught me a lot about, you know, myself, responsibility and taking care of other people's best interests um, from a really young age. I, you know, I was 22, 23 at the time, being a sole analyst for, you know, a group of really, really, uh, you know, incredible warriors that are going out to battle. So um, that was truly a life-changing experience. And then when I decided to get out of the military, um, you know, it was, it, I, I found the path of real estate and, I, and I'm sure we'll get into that story a little bit, but um, now I'm a real estate agent focused primarily on working with investors, you know, definitely been working with Mike and Mike's taught me a lot over the last year um, with regard to real estate. So um, now I, I'm an investor. I invest in multifamily properties. And like you said, I've scaled from uh, zero to 14 units over the past year. And uh, yes, that's kind of a little bit about me. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Love it, man. I want to talk a little bit more about your, your military, man. Um, you spent eight years in, you came right out the gate, moved from Ohio straight into the military. What was that, uh, what was that transition like? Like just becoming, you know, an 18 year old kid, 19 year old kid, straight into the military. And then it sounds like you went straight into this, you know, much more of an elite unit right out the gate. So what was, how did that transition? Was that a culture shock to you? Uh, definitely was. I mean, just kind of leaving home, you know, most military members feel that. Um, and then, you know, my first duty station was kind of like slower paced, a lot of hours, you know, not really reaping the, the reward of the efforts that I was putting in. And of course, I wanted more, always want more. Um, you know, I strive to be the best. Uh, anything that I do. So of course, as soon as I heard about this special operations unit, I was like, I'm going to be there. I was actually the, the second um, E3, uh, excuse me, E4 to ever be hired for the unit um, at the time. So I was, you know, definitely humbled by that experience. And, you know, being put in a position where, um, you know, I got to that unit and six months later, I was in Afghanistan as a sole intel analyst for, you know, a group of 15, um, you know, members of, of different agencies and, and um, U.S. Army Rangers. And that was, um, you know, an incredible experience from, you know, I'm in the seat to, hey, you are responsible for getting these tasks done and they need to be done right 
do not, it's okay to mess up, but you can make that mess up one time. Do not make it again. Um, you know, as 22, 23 year old getting that, that brief um, was, you know, it was an experience that really puts things in a frame of mind of I'm responsible for people's lives now um, at 22 years old. So, I mean, we were putting in 18 to 20 hour days and just going from, you know, working a 12 hour shift and going home and like doing whatever to, hey, now you are, you know, this is, this is the incredible responsibility that's been put on your shoulders. Um, I, have, I will never forget that experience and what that was like for me and putting me in the frame of mind of um, if I, you know, make mistakes, if I am, you know, lazy on the job or if I just don't do my due diligence, uh, people's lives could be at risk. And, you know, that, that definitely was a shock to me, but, you know, after about a month or so of being there, you kind of just flow into the role of, Hey, this is what it is. And uh, we're going to get it done. That's dope, man. That's crazy. So I assume that that kind of translates over. You, you use some um, terms that we use a lot of real estate, right? I heard like yeah. due diligence and it seems, so it seems like some of those um, traits that you learned in the military kind of transferred over to now the real estate st- uh, side as well. So that's pretty cool. What, what are some of the, I guess, main, main things that uh, you were able to translate over, um, over to what you're doing now? Oh my gosh, so many things. So, you know, I always, I always make the case of building a, a target package on an individual, um, you know, a, a you know, bad guy or a building or a location is the same as putting together, you know, a detailed analysis for a property, whether it's a single family, whether it's a multifamily, you need to have every box checked and be able to present that information clearly and concisely to the, you know, whoever's listening to you, whether it's your business partner or whether it is, you know, a room full of, you know, tactical um, you know, warriors that are getting ready to go out and get after it. Um, so I, I took a lot of those lessons being as detail oriented as possible and finding out everything that you can. I mean, sitting down and doing research on where, you know, say we're looking at, you know, a, a bad guy in a certain location. I want to know where he is, where he sleeps, um, who his friends are, where he's going to dinner, you know, um, and what he does on a Friday night. Um, it's the same thing for, you know, a property. I want to know how much the property is bringing in cash flow wise. I need to know how much the property is expelling in expenses, um, where the property is at, who's around that property, what goes on at nighttime. Um, you know, so just kind of transitioning all of those detailed analytics from the military over to, um, you know, real estate has been a huge benefit because staying in front of, you know, your commander and saying, this is the information that I'm presenting to you. And it's as credible and as reliable as I can possibly portray. And that individual needs to be able to trust me. And now as a real estate agent, I am truly in an advisory position. When I have a, a, you know, a newer investor who's not quite sure, or who may not have done their their research or their due diligence and relies on me to make sure that I'm putting them in front of a, a sound investment, man, that they need to know or they need to trust that I am presenting them with, with valuable, credible information and then I'm not going to lead them astray. Fucking love that, man. Because see, I, you know, we preach it all the time that the military trains you to be an entrepreneur. Every single veteran and servicemen and women has a skill set that has been kind of developed and ingrained into them. You know, I don't give a, I don't really don't care if they're enlisted, right? Junior enlisted, or if they're officers, senior officers, senior enlisted, it does not matter. Maybe warrant officers don't count, but no, I'm playing. But, <laughs> but, but you have all of this experience and people have a, uh, they're challenged in how they can translate that experience into anything else. But the way you articulated that is beautiful. Think about the detail orientation that you put in that, the research you put into that. And now all you did was simply change the topic. That's it. Same effort, Absolutely. same research, everything just changed the topic. I, I had a question about, all right, do you, do you remember your disc profile? Yeah, I am a, I'm an IS. All right. Okay. Okay. And, and the reason I ask is because, you know, what, what we like to do is a personality assessment to see how you're naturally inclined to do something. And the fact that you said that you're so detail oriented and task oriented, do you feel like you were always that detailed and task oriented? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely. I'm just, I'm just not that way, but it's when you're in a position where that is you, your responsibility, you have to change into that. You know, things won't change unless you change. So if I'm responsible for people's lives, 
I, you can bet that I'm going to be detail oriented. If I'm responsible for someone's financial future, you can bet that I'm going to be, you know, detail oriented. I mean, just like you said, the military teaches us to be entrepreneurs. They also, and what are entrepreneurs? They're problem solvers. You put a problem in front of someone that is a problem solver, and you will find that they will change and morph into whatever that role requires of them. All right, let's take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this awesome episode. If this episode has got you pumped up and you're looking for more ways to learn, network, and take action, make sure you go over to www.militarycashflow.com where we're doing our absolute best to provide our military community with tons of value. Here's just a few things you'll find when you go to militarycashflow.com. You'll find our books. You'll find the Military Cashflow Facebook group where we have thousands of new and experienced military investors networking and asking and answering questions. You'll find our military cash flow real estate investing course that teaches you everything you need to know to buy a cash flowing producing asset. We teach you how to find the deal, how to analyze, how to renovate, how to build your team and maintain that property. You'll find our one-on-one coaching programs. And when you're ready to start taking action and invest, or you're looking just to PCS, we'll even vet and find an investor and military-friendly realtor in your area at zero cost to you. So make sure you head over to www.militarycashflow.com to get access to all these great tools. And lastly, and I would almost say most importantly, make sure you share this information with another military member that might find it valuable. All right. And with that said, so uh, let's for those get of you who are listening episode. to this on podcast, I mean, if you check this out um, on, on the video, you'll see, man, like Trevor's kind of he, he's kind of intense in there. I'm feeling like I'm in a brief right now, you know, so, <laughs> like, in a, like, like a great brief, you know, so, um, so good stuff, man. I can see how, you know, this translates over for you. And, and I love that you were able to articulate exactly how, you know, how it translates over. So how did we get to real estate from um, from the military? So, you know, we stayed in for eight years. Right. So I got two questions, really. So I stayed in for eight years. Typically, that's where someone decides I'm kind of in the same situation where you're deciding like, all right, I'm at eight years. All right. I got 12 more years. Do I want to stay in or do I want to get out? And I know Mike was in a very similar situation, too. And, and, I, and I know that speaks to our listeners. So a lot of our listeners, I think they're in that mid range area. So what was the uh, one? What was the deciding factor for you to switch over? Right. And then two, um, what Well, I guess that was just one question. Let's just go with that one question. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I love that you kind of brought up the eight year mark. Um, You know, you hear so much people get to that time. Well, I'm, I'm about to hit my 10 year mark. I might as well just do another 10 years, whether they love the job or not. It's like, oh, well, what's another 10 years to get my pension, to get that retirement. And oh man, that just got me so fired up. Like that is an entire decade. That's time. That's, this is your life. Um, do you want to just live that monotonous life and just kind of do the thing that you've always done and get the same results that you've always gotten? Or do you want to take that 10 years and put it towards something that you actually love? Um, and, you know, when I was kind of handing out my, my out processing checklist to all the people, out of the 10 people I probably visited, eight of them said, hey, are you sure you want to do this, man? Are you sure you want to get out? And it's coming from people who are still in it and people who did get out didn't have a plan and went back to being a military contractor, went back to doing the same thing that they've always done for the same results. And now they might be a little disgruntled. There's nothing to knock these people at all. Um, But just, you know, having a plan is incredibly powerful to just setting yourself up. And that, that 10 years is, is an exorbitant amount of time to, to find out, you know, what you actually might be passionate about or not necessarily passionate about, but find something that you like, be really dang good at it and then continue on. But to to answer the question, kind of that deciding factor, um, you know, I I was not always in this frame of mind, Um, you know, during the last probably two years of my my military career, uh, I, I joined the rugby team. And um, we were, you know, it was one fateful Saturday on the, on the rugby pitch. Uh, they kicked the ball off. I caught it. And of course I was dominating. I was dominating. <laughs> just like, like you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> just crushing, but um, they got me. 
uh, some dude tackled me from behind and then another dude came and pinned my legs back and snapped my leg. Um, so I was not dominating at that time. So uh, just that, that kind of put me on the couch for a while. You know, you know, I uh, had some, some time with myself and my, the first thing is I'm just going to watch Netflix. You know, I was living with, with three roommates at the time, the boys, you know, we would always come home cracking beers, just like, you know, living for the weekend, whatever. Uh, and then they all deployed pretty much immediately after I broke my leg. So it was just me and my, my thoughts. And um, one of the, the biggest lessons that I learned from this time is we really need to invest time in our own thoughts, just sit in silence sometimes, because the amount of exposure that we get from so many external factors completely removes us from knowing what it is that we actually want to do. Um, so during this time, I just had a massive mindset shift. Um, you know, it started with, do I want to be in the military for another 12 years, 13 years, 14 years? Um, and I, I didn't know. I, of course, I've always wanted to be some type of businessman, but I've never again invested the time to think about what that actually meant for me. Um, so it started with, you know, that, that line of thinking, what I've always been taught, well, you need your education to be successful. So I was like, that's it. I went and joined, um, you know, uh, an online course and I took a math class. I was like, I'm going to get the worst, most difficult, disgusting part out of this um, first thing. So I took that math class and I hated every moment of it. I absolutely hated it. And you know, all my time went to that, come home from work, do this math class. And I'm starting from ground zero because I haven't done math in eight years. Um, so I, I never actually finished that math class because I hated it so much. <laughs> I'm like, there has got to be another way. And the ticket for me was I need to learn how to manage my finances. I feel like if I can manage that, then I can be able to set myself up for success no matter what path I take post a military career. So I started reading books like The Richest Man in Babylon. You know, I started reading accounting books. I, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, you know, among many people who are probably listening to this podcast right now. And that was it. That was my ticket, real estate. I didn't need a CEO. I didn't need a boss. All I needed was my sweat equity to put into it and I will immediately reap the results. Nobody can say you've done a bad job. No one can say you've done a good job. It's just me. So I just got into books. I took a real estate um, investing course online and I was absolutely hooked. And, you know, from that point, about four months later, I went out and, and bought my first property. Man, yeah, that's great. So, so like, obviously, you, you know, and most of the audience knows exactly where I'm coming from. And I feel that with so much agreeance and passion, like I understand that completely. And uh, what I really love is that you took the time to first discover what it is that you wanted, first and foremost, right? Then you began to develop yourself, reading books, taking courses that you didn't like, whatever, experimenting, exploring. And then ultimately you decided that you wanted to be in control of your life, not necessarily let the military control you. And again, there's, there's nothing wrong with either side of the fence, but you made that decision. And as soon as you made that decision, in less than four months, you acquired your first one. In less than a year, you acquired 14 doors. People who sit back and do this for on the side, like a side hustle, may acquire 14 doors within their lifetime. And you were able to acquire that in their first, in your first year, just because you had a plan and an action step. And so I, I just want to highlight to the entire audience who's listening, and, and you guys are in that same boat that Trevor was in. Think about it. Understand exactly what it is that you want out of life, but now know that for in this example, you, Trevor, you have the ability to try anything you want over the next 10 years. Instead of being, you know, told what to do, you could try whatever. Three years of real estate, three years of uh, going back to rugby, <laughs> whatever it is that you want to <laughs> do, man. Matter, matter of fact, I already know this answer, but where are you at right now? It's a beautiful background. Where are you at? I, I'm in Switzerland. Um, I, I came out to visit my girlfriend. Um, yeah, absolutely. I would not be able to do this if it was not for, you know, the, the dedication and commitment that I invested into you know, real estate investing over the last year. Switzerland, just on the and, podcast. Get out of here. <laughs> and like, <laughs> one of the things you mentioned, like, it all comes back to education, right? It, it could have been something else, but I happened to find real estate. It could have been something completely different, but without the education, I would have never been able to see the opportunity. 
I think Robert Kiyosaki talked about that in Richard Porter. If you're not educated, you'll never see the opportunity. It could walk right in front of you and you'll never know. So it could be anything. But now that I have this opportunity, I've taken this opportunity and it's opened up my aperture to so many different forms of education, so many different passions that I could possibly venture into. And now I have the, the flexibility and the freedom, which is what we're all chasing, right? Military cash flow. We are chasing that cash flow to provide us that freedom, that tool, um, and to, to open me up to, you know, whatever life has in store. Oh, yeah, man. That's beautiful, dude. Um, again, you, you know, you just, feel the passion in the voice right there. So I love everything you're talking about. And I'm kind of in the same situation there trying to figure out, hey, how much longer do I want to stay in the military? What I want to do, you know, moving forward. Um, and I, and I, I just think that's uh, great the way you the way you um, you spoke to that. So um, getting into so we talked about, you know, scaling from zero to 14 units. All right. Let's talk about that first deal and what that looked like. How do you finance it? Um, you know, what what did it do to your your frame of mind after that? I mean, did you, did you get your real estate license first? Can you kind of tell that story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for I would say for, for those of the listeners who think that getting a real estate license is going to lead to, um, you know, you know, additional real estate investment opportunities, I would like to, you know, say that I don't think that is something that is worth the time and effort and, and money that's invested into it because, being a real estate agent definitely um, comes with, you know, time, effort, and dedication to making sure that you got clientele coming in, you're building the right connections and, and all those things. Um, but, but that first deal, um, you know, it, it came down to finding my niche first through that education piece. And once I realized, Hey, I can buy up to four units with my, with my VA loan, why not maximize every single bit of that? Um, so that's really where I started. Um, and, and I started analyzing markets. I was living in Apex, North Carolina at the time, which is just outside of Raleigh. Um, and I was like, Raleigh is one of the fastest growing cities in the nation. I'm buying a property here. That's let's go. Let's go. So I was out there walking. I had met a real estate agent who was savvy investor. I found a contractor who was experienced in rehabs and I started running numbers constantly. Once every deal that she sent to me, I didn't care what it looked like. I didn't care where it was. I was running the numbers to see if it was going to provide me profit or if it was not. Um, after doing that over a hundred times and walking like 30 properties, one, they hated me. My contractor was like, where do you got me out here going to these slum houses? Um, but that's what it needed. That's what I needed to do to get that hands-on training, that on-the-job training to know, yes, this is something that I should invest in or not. Um, and the, the market being the way that it is in Raleigh, North Carolina, a fast-growing market, um, it was not going to provide me any cash flow. I was going to lose money most likely. Um, and you can't bet on appreciation. I can run the numbers on what I'm going to make most likely, but I can't tell what the market's going to do a year, five years, 10 years from now. So of course, I met up with the Five Pillars crew, um, Michael Aspey on the line. Uh, we, uh, you know, I, I started heading down to Fayetteville to, to run properties in that area because the, the cost to get into a property was much lower, but the rent comparison was not all that different. Um, so that just made way more sense for me to put my dollars to work there. Um, so I found a, a triplex, you know, through the, the MLS listings, it was on the market for like 500 days. It was not in city limits. Um, so I was like, man, there's got to be something going on. Let me let me go take a shot. Um, and the, the property was, you know, was in really good shape. The guy had built it from the ground up. And, uh, you know, of course, getting financed through the VA loan. The Once we went under contract, we, we negotiated, um, brought it down to what it would provide the 1% rule. I think most people listening are, are uh, understanding what the 1% rule, but for simple math, a $100,000 property, you want your, your all-in cost, $100,000, you want your gross rental income to be $1,000, 1% of that. So we negotiated the price to be 1% rule. Um, and then once we got into it, it only appraised for $35,000 less than that, but it had been on the market so long, the guy was like, whatever, let's send it. So, and then he had to complete a bunch of renovations because of the VA loan. Um, the VA requirements are pretty strict. Um, so we ended up getting into the property for much lower than the 1% rule or much higher than the 1% rule. Um, and then closed on that thing and then put some, some tenants in there. And it was a cash flowing property from day one. 
All right, let's take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this awesome episode. If this episode has got you pumped up and you're looking for more ways to learn, network, and take action, make sure you go over to www.militarycashflow.com where we're doing our absolute best to provide our military community with tons of value. Here's just a few things you'll find when you go to militarycashflow.com. You'll find our books. You'll find the Military Cashflow Facebook group where we have thousands of new and experienced military investors networking and asking and answering questions. You'll find our military cash flow real estate investing course that teaches you everything you need to know to buy a cash flowing producing asset. We teach you how to find the deal, how to analyze, how to renovate, how to build your team and maintain that property. You'll find our one-on-one coaching programs. And when you're ready to start taking action and invest, or you're looking just to PCS, we'll even vet and find an investor and military-friendly realtor in your area at zero cost to you. So make sure you head over to www.militarycashflow.com to get access to all these great tools. And lastly, and I would almost say most importantly, make sure you share this information with another military member that might find it valuable. All right, and with that said, let's get back into this episode. Yeah, so you're at a you're able to live in one uh, and then rent the other two units out and it was still able to cash flow. That's right. That's what we call right. a win. <laughs> that, that's Absolutely. house hacking, you know, to the to the T. Yeah. Let me ask you something. So that you you mentioned something and you kind of breezed over it really quick. Well, not really, but this is something that's been made popular by Grant Cardone. He says this often. You were living in Apex at the time, but you said you decided you wanted to invest in Fayetteville right? Which is about an hour away or so. It's not too far, but it's not where you lived, right? So the reason you did that, you said, was because the numbers just made much more sense, right? And so Grant Cardone always says, you know, live where you want, but invest where it makes sense or something along that. I was trying to actually find the right quote and I can't find it, but that, that concept is so true because there's so many individuals living in California and New York that could never afford a cash flow property, right? But then you got places like Fayetteville or small countries in Illinois, Kentucky or countries, uh, counties or cities. And, and so that makes sense. Now, the other thing I want to talk about is I, I love this part right here. You negotiated it down to a 1% rule, right? And so many right. people look at a deal and they see the prices way up here. They're like, oh, that'll never work. You made it work, right? So Absolutely. what was just... <laughs> elaborate a little bit on, more on that because I think our audience needs to hear that more importantly than, than ever, especially the newer investors where they feel like, oh, the, the price is, it's over market. Well, you got it under contract and then you made it work. So talk a little bit more about your thought process and maybe some of the numbers that you ran to say, okay, you know what? I can make this work. I can negotiate it down a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that it, for me, it comes down to setting criteria. You know, I have a set criteria. It's the one for, from the VA loan. It's the 1% rule. I will not break from that. But I can't just say, you know, just like you'd mentioned, I can't turn away from every single deal. You never know what that, that individual, what that seller, what's going on on the other side of the table until you have a conversation with them. And if you have that conversation and the answer is absolutely not, I'm not coming down on price. Okay, I'll check back in a couple of weeks, depending on if the property is still here. If not, there's more deals out there. But setting that criteria and sticking to it and say, hey, listen, I, I cannot make this property work unless you come down to this price. I'm ready to move, but we need to come to, to an agreement, you know, an agreement, because right now the property brings in X amount of dollars and I need this property. So um, at the time, the property was bringing in $2,050. He had it listed for $225,000, astronomical price. So we got it down to $205,000 because that's what made sense for the 1% rule. Great. Boom. And then, of course, the appraisal came in and everyone was, you know, he wasn't happy. I was over the moon. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, you, you'll never know unless you go out and ask these people, Hey, this is this is what's going to work for me. Can we make a deal? Because that just because that's what's on the MLS or that's the price that's listed by the wholesaler, whoever you might be working with, um, you know, everything, everything is negotiable. Yeah, that's, that's one of the biggest biggest things that people need to realize is everything is negotiable. Period in real estate. Um, you know, when we look at deals, 
there's really two two uh, uh, factors that really play. It's price and it's terms. A lot of people say, man, I want $205,000. That's what I want. And you look at it, that price is like, uh, I don't know. Well, hey, I'll tell you what, we might be able to do price. However, I, we have to do seller finance. Now it's a win, right? You know, for example, maybe the price is, is wrong. Well, you can adjust the terms to make it favorable, but everything's negotiable. Even rent, rent's negotiable. Hell, you can charge $1,000 for, for something where the market rent is 600, you know, it's <laughs> negotiable. <laughs> so, and you don't have to have, you know, I don't know, FBI negotiator level training to negotiate. It's like, hey, this is what I'm working with. If we can make it work here, great. If not, I'm going to have to look elsewhere. That's it. That's all you have to say. And if you walk away from the table, maybe that seller calls you the next day. You know, maybe he shoots you a text. Ah, you know what? We can make it work. Let's go send it. Yeah. Um, you never know. Just, just, you know, stick to your gun. Stick, set that criteria. A lot of people, you know, especially being an agent and working with, you know, a variety of different experience levels, people will say, yeah, I'm looking to maybe do a burr or a flip or maybe a turnkey. Well, you got to give me some very, very specific criteria. You know, when I first started, I told everyone, I'm a multifamily investor. I'm a multifamily investor. I'm a multifamily investor. So what did I start to see? You know, people say, hey, I got this deal opportunity or, hey, I have this because I set a very specific niche and I set a very specific criteria of this is how I purchase properties. After that first deal, now we focus on we don't want to spend more than 75 cents on the dollar. We want a 10% cash on cash return and we want $200 positive cash flow after the property's already performing. That means we've renovated the property if need be, we've moved the property up to market level rents and that could take six to 12 months depending on the situation of the property and the size of it. But I know that criteria now. And now by setting that, I know that I need X number of deals to reach my passive income goals. Um, and, and, you know, by being able to set that up for yourself, you'll hit your goals, you'll get properties that make sense, and you'll find yourself out of hot water more often than, you know, a lot of people who, you know, tell the horror stories of, of their first deal, and then they never do another deal. Yeah, I think a lot of people get, uh, get caught up in, in, you know, the analysis process. And then also, at a certain point, they start to kind of give up and you kind of hit on it just a little bit. Um, it, twice actually once you said uh hey i had to look through like 100 properties and then i walked this many properties and then I'm, i assume you wrote x amount of deals in order to find that one that actually worked right um and they have to meet this this certain criteria so you might get you know uh 50 50 deals presented to you but then as you kind of go through them and do the due diligence you know, only 25 of them might actually fit the bill, right? And then you got to walk those and then the neighborhood might be right and, and so on and so forth. So um, I really love that you, you kind of took the time to, 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 you know, break that piece down and actually go through that um, as, um, as you were looking for dur during your deal search. So I think that's really important for uh, those not to give up, you know, don't give up on that on, on your on your search is because you know the first couple didn't really work or didn't fit your criteria just keep continue to look through those so absolutely like when when you're running deals you know run it hey, this is the price on the mls run it at that it doesn't work all right run it at a price that works find out what that number is and then go back to the seller and say hey this is what i'm looking this is what i would like to purchase the property at because you know right there it works maybe even go five thousand dollars less than that or ten thousand dollars less than that and if they bite great if not work your way up to the strike mark which is what you've already done in your analysis and everybody's happy and, and i will say this guys like i mean you're, you're hitting the nail on the head and when you have those uh exact criteria that you want cash flow per the door cash on cash return you know you have like two or three metrics now if you analyze a deal you know you don't necessarily need to have all three let's just get two of the three right but by having that now you can evaluate it and say what number actually works instead of saying oh i'm just gonna offer fifty thousand dollars less like a lot of new investors will do is like i just want equity just throw out 50,000. It's like, bro, it's been on the market for one day. <laughs> There's multiple offers and you're not even offering cash. You're just like, this is, this is slice it in half and I'll close in 45 days. Like, bro, we're not going to win that. Right. But when you have those criteria set, you can put more realistic numbers together. And then you don't have to feel weird about submitting offers that work for your numbers. And I love that. And so obviously you did that on your first deal. 
but explain how you've grown from that deal to now 14 and just in just 12 months. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, by learning, of course, you learn by doing. And that analysis paralysis, do it, and then you might, you're going to make mistakes. 100%. You, I made mistakes for sure. I that, that first property, I let that the owner, because I deployed immediately. Like I closed on the property while I was deployed. So I hadn't done my research on a property manager. So I let the seller manage it for me. And he was, oh, it was not good. <laughs> yeah, you got you to speak to he, that a little bit. Tell us a little so bit. So <laughs> he was like a good old boy. He was like liquidating all his properties. He like was, he had a relationship with the tenants, of course, because he didn't have a property manager. It's like just his, his portfolio. Um, so before we had closed, he was letting the, the tenants slip on payments for utilities for rent payments so once we closed i was like hey mr tart which was his name hey will, will you mind you know managing this for me he's like absolutely i got you um and then, <laughs> and then um so all the utilities were in his name and since the tenants hadn't paid him he shut off their utilities and they were like okay we got to go and get our utilities turned on but they needed a new lease he wouldn't write him a new lease He's like, no, I'm not writing you a new lease until um, you you pay me the money. And I'm like, I'm getting the calls and he's the middleman. And it was an absolute nightmare. Um, so we ended up uh, firing him immediately because I was like, hey, man, are you going to write them a new lease? He said, no. I was like, well, you know, you, you don't have any stake in the property anymore because I'm the owner. Uh, so yeah, he, he ended up getting fired. I did have to actually evict that tenant. As soon as I got back from my deployment, um, that, that tenant ended up being evicted, but now I know property management, they are your best friend. They are your partner. They need to be, you need to take them out to lunch. Um, you need to make sure that the people managing your tenants, but not even tenants, they are your customers. They are repeat offenders. They are paying you every month. So how do you keep your clientele from coming back? It's the people that are managing have the same mindset of views. Let's take care of these folks so they continue to sign a new lease. They continue to take care of the property and there's no issues moving forward. Um, so I've definitely applied that to my strategy, you know, scaling up to 14 units. But of course, um, you know, with the frame of mind of telling everybody what I do and having that strict criteria, I can say yes or no to a deal in five minutes. I can say, yes, this is something that I want to pursue or no, you know, on to the next one, get unemotional about it because it's all about the numbers. Um, and once you have the numbers, then you continue to unravel what's going on with the property. You get that inspection, you do your due diligence, you make sure that everything's good. And then, you know, by having that criteria of 75 cents on the dollar, we're able to refinance those properties without leaving any money in the deal, um, which is, you know, usually a really great benefit, which has been able to um, enable us to, to, to scale. So, you know, throughout my journey, I did actually start partnering uh, with, with another military member, a buddy of mine who got into real estate investing about the same time as me. Um, you know, we, we just kind of linked our skills up. I like talking to people. He hates it. Um, he likes running numbers. So we set our criteria and we went after it. Um, you know, bring in deals, he analyzes them, we close on the property and we're off to the next one. And we were able to do eight units, uh, three different deals in, in five months. All right, let's take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this awesome episode. If this episode has got you pumped up and you're looking for more ways to learn, network, and take action, make sure you go over to www.militarycashflow.com where we're doing our absolute best to provide our military community with tons of value. Here's just a few things you'll find when you go to militarycashflow.com. You'll find our books. You'll find the Military Cashflow Facebook group, where we have thousands of new and experienced military investors networking and asking and answering questions. You'll find our Military Cashflow real estate investing course that teaches you everything you need to know to buy a cash flowing producing asset we teach you how to find the deal, how to analyze, how to renovate, how to build your team and maintain that property. You'll find our one-on-one -on -one coaching programs. And when you're ready to start taking action and invest, or you're looking just to PCS, 
We'll even vet and find an investor and military-friendly realtor in your area at zero cost to you. So make sure you head over to www.militarycashflow.com to get access to all these great tools. And lastly, and I would almost say most importantly, make sure you share this information with another military member that might find it valuable. All right. And with that said, let's get back into this episode. Nice. Let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about partnership, right? So we don't, we, I don't think we really talk about that too much. Like uh, finding a partner that actually works, works with you guys are on the same mindset. So what are some of the things that kind of went into finding, finding your partner? I know you guys said, you, you know, you linked up. I'm not sure if you're in the same unit or not or what, but um, can, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Even though we knew each other, um, I took that very, very seriously. I mean, it's just like a marriage. You are on legally binding documents with each other. So I want to know, hey, what are your goals? What are you, what is your intention behind this? Do you want to do one deal a year? Do you want to do 50 deals a year? Like, how are we going to make this work? And then of course, like, you know, I've, I've come across other people that are very similar to me, like very, um, you know, extroverted, like talking to people, um, maybe not detail oriented. That's not the person that I necessarily want to partner with because our skills don't complement each other. You know, he doesn't fill the gaps that I need filled and, you know, vice versa. So by partnering with someone who's very detail oriented, who, who likes spreadsheets and sitting in front of the desk and just like kind of crunching out and getting every piece of information available, that allows me to go do what I actually like. Um, you know, I can be that detail-oriented person, <clears throat> as we talked about earlier, but I love going and talking to people. I love building relationships. Um, so find that person who has very, very similar goals, wants to go to the same place as you in terms of finances, in terms of, you know, business um, structure, and, and run with that. And, you know, again, it, I can't stress how, how important partnerships are, especially as you're starting out, because if you rely on someone to handle key tasks that need to be done and they're not being met, it could really hurt your business um, and, you know, sour the relationship and sour your progress. Yeah. Part, partnership is, uh, is key for everything, right? Uh, there is no I in team, that old cliche. But if you think about just how much one individual can do, there's only so much, right? And just like you mentioned, you partner with somebody who can kind of accent those strengths and kind of cover up some of those weaknesses. And now you be make yourself a much more holistic business owner, a much more holistic investor. And you guys were able to accomplish some great things, eight units in five months. I'd be boom, right away, turned around. And now you guys are functioning and operating. I mean, what's, what else is on the, uh, on the scale for you guys? What else is on the target sheet for you guys for 2021? Yeah. So, um, we have, you know, focused our efforts more on apartment syndication or apartment JV. So we're looking right now for something between 20 to 60 units. Um, you know, by, by hitting those criteria, now we know, Hey, we can actually do this. You know, the, the proof is in the pudding. We've done it. We refinanced, we got our money back. Um, using a variety of different financing methods. And now um, we feel extremely confident moving forward and, you know, raising capital through other investors and putting that money to work in apartment buildings. So now for 2021, knock down a 20 to 60 unit apartment building, then 75 units plus, and then hundred plus is kind of what we're looking at for 2021 and beyond. Um, and just kind of structuring this apartment syndication business to be not only beneficial to us, but beneficial to, um, you know, allowing people, giving people opportunity to increase their own personal cash flow, their own passive investments. And of course the community wins because if we can get a distressed apartment building, um, you know, now we're touching way more lives um, through an all encompassing business structure versus, you know, knocking down, you know, 20, uh, 20 duplexes in, in the next three years. Cause that's kind of where we started, right? We, we had planned, you know, we're going to do, we went 100 doors in the next three years and mixed between duplexes and quads. We want to be the best small multifamily investors. And this kind of goes back to goal setting is, you know, your goals are going to change as you change, as you get gain experience. So 
um, you know, talking with other people who have more experience in the game, it was why do that many transactions? Why not move up to 20 to 60 units and then move on up from there and, and up from there? Um, it's economies of scale. It's a much better business model. If I can have two 50 unit apartment buildings in the same place using the same manager, now I can start to shift around my expenses. I can start to decrease those as I grow, um, which ultimately benefits my cash flow opportunities, benefits my investors because we'll have, you know, economies of scale will have um, placement in the market. And of course, we'll be, you know, helping more people by, you know, just um, increasing the efficiency and the standard of living in some of these places. I think you also affect a, like a larger community that way as well. So you're talking about a 50 unit. I mean, um, a lot of times some apartment complexes, that 50 unit or 100 unit might be um especially if it's like a dilapidated one, right? Like, like everything around it kind of, you know, uh, is, is dry, is kind of like jacked up too. So by fixing that one larger entity or that kind of, I guess, not, not so much staple, but a larger piece of property where a lot of people are uh, in one unit kind of affects that the whole entire area as well versus just doing one home as well. I'm just talking about the value add um, that, that you're able to, uh, what you're able to bring uh, to communities. So I think that's really special. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I love this model because, you know, when you first get into real estate investing, everyone talks about generational wealth. I think that is like the biggest buzzword um, in real estate investing. And it is true. 10, you do one property a year for 10 years, and you keep those, that is true. It's generational wealth. I mean, one property can change your life, just one. Um, but now we're talking 10 units, 10, 10 single families over the course of 10 years. Now you, you're affecting your children's lives. Now we're talking about apartment buildings. Um, that to me is true generational wealth. I, my plan is to hold these things as long as possible, pass these things off, um, you know, get really educated on the tax code. So that way, when I die, no one's paying taxes. My, my children are inherited in that property and it sets a trajectory for the, the follow on of your generations. Like my children's children's children will reap the things that I'm sowing right now. Um, and it's because of, you know, thinking big, setting high expectations for yourself and going out, staying disciplined and being committed and getting after it. You're talking about <clears throat> you're you're talking about real estate like it's a business, huh? That's pretty funny, <laughs> man. You're, you're you're so right, man. Everything you're talked about, just about like increasing your operational efficiency alone, right? It's business, right? Um, we're always talking about self developing, right? Develop yourself as a business owner. All these real estate investors do that. You talked about the tax code. I had to bring this thing out. Tax free wealth by Tom Wheelwright. This is one of the most influential books that I've read when it comes to understanding how to influence my taxes and why I need to influence my taxes. And I know, I think you've read this book as well, right? Absolutely. Like stuff like this, when we talk about generational wealth, um, that's exactly right. You know, I'm a buy and hold investor. I'm gonna hold this thing forever and pass it on. But when you're talking about being able to pass it on to your children, your children's children, what else can you, who, who else are you affecting? All 50 of those tenants who, you know, I grew up in apartment buildings growing up as a kid, right? So a good, right. safe community, you're affecting all of those families, all your limited partners in a syndication model. You're, they're affecting their generational wealth, right? All the additional uh, money that you'll have to put towards philanthropy if you wanted to. And that, that's the, the beautiful thing about real estate. Yes, it does make you wealthier over time. Yes, it does provide you more freedom. But if you are already a good person, if you are already within the right mindset to give back and to provide, it now gives you so many opportunities to do that at scale. So, I, I mean, I, you got me Absolutely. pumped up over here, man. It's early on <laughs> a Saturday morning, but I'm about to go run 10 miles and do about five pushups. That's all I got. I'm not in the military anymore. <laughs> well, I, I love that. I mean, like Jim Rohn said, your level of success will never exceed your level of personal development ever. If you're not continually educating yourself, if you're not continually changing, you will, you'll die. Like not maybe physically, but change or die. Right. Um, and, you know, just last night, my tenant called me, she said, Hey, Mr. Trevor, um, you know, just a few houses down, you know, there was a, a gunshot. Um, 
and you know apparently like someone was was hurt or injured um you know the floodlight is isn't working on our back our back porch can you you know we, we just don't feel safe boom i'm immediately on the phone with you know my my contractor or my handyman to make sure that he gets out there and gets that fixed for them one for peace of mind for the safety of them but also think about that times 50 times 100 times you know my my, my three-year goal of 1200 units that economy of scale now you're affecting that many people i mean it's just it's it's massive growth it's it's massive like you just have the ability to influence so many other people and um you know by by continually to personally develop myself you know my sphere of influence the people that i that want to come up and and reach similar or exceed the levels that i'm at i'm able to give back um from my lessons learned from my successes and just overall you know we we all grow uh, together because Real estate's a team team effort from from football to the military to real estate. Um, you know, everyone can try and go out and do it themselves, but you're not going to go very far. Uh, you might go fast, but um, it is it is definitely a team sport. Love it, man. Love it, dude. So so we talked about uh, your first deal, talked about, you know, scaling up to those 14 units, getting that like what, eight, eight units in what, three months, I think you said five months, five months, eight units in five months. Um, we, we, we know your three year goal, your big, audacious, scary, you know, three year goal, 1200 units. I mean, that's that's phenomenal, dude. If there was one piece of advice that you could give to any service members out there that would um, that want to do what you're doing, what would that be? Um it would definitely be changed, changed your thinking. Like the way that I thought about life, the way that I thought about my finances, the way that I thought about time um, has changed dramatically. And it wouldn't have changed if I hadn't educated myself. So, so number one is education, whether that's finances, whether it's personal development, whatever it is for you, whatever you might find interesting or not interested in, commit to reading something, commit to educating yourself on something, even if it's a YouTube video, you never know what you're going to watch. Um, because, you know, watching the UFC fight highlights is fun watching, you know, the, the playoffs is, is fun, right? But it's, you're watching other people live out their dreams. You're watching other people live their dreams. You're paying them with your time. In the time is the most valuable thing that we have. You know, I always say this, one of my mentors said, there's three ways that you can use your time. You can either spend it, you can share it, or you can invest it. So now if I'm gonna go hang out with friends, I'm gonna go share time with friends. If I'm going to sit down and read a book, I'm investing my time in reading this book. Completely change the way that I think about it because I mean, it, it, what we spend our time on, you know, going to the bars on the weekends, you know, chasing chicks or, or, or dudes or, or whatever it is for you. Um, ultimately, those things are going to leave you empty and unfulfilled. Um, the more you invest in yourself and your education, uh, you, you will start to find that you see more opportunities. You won't have that victim mentality of, well, why does he get to do? I mean, 14 units, it's great, but so many other people have absolutely crushed me um, in, in a year's time from zero to, to whatever they've gotten to. Um, so it's absolutely possible. You just got to change the way that you think and you can't change the way you think if you are uneducated. Dude, dude. Uh, that, was, that was freaking beautiful, dude. Was freaking, and I love the, uh, the, uh, the quote you, you, you said there, the, um, you can either spend it, share it or invest it. Uh, I, I really love that. Uh, that's, a, that's definitely a, a mindset shift in itself. Just if you sit down and really think about that, how you're actually spending your time and say, and then also, you know, you're paying someone else to, <laughs> you're paying someone else. I never really, I never even thought about that before, but that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. So if, um, it, how can our listeners get in contact with you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at, at Better Trevor. Um, Facebook is, is Trevor Brand, B-R-A-N. Um, my, my website is hiveci.com. That's H-Y-V-E-C-I.com. Um, I actually just uh, launched a YouTube channel called Invest with T-West. Mm, invest with T-West. Nice. Hey, so we're going to have all those, um, everything that you just said there, that'll be down in the show notes. So make sure you go check out Trevor. Um, hey, it, it's been, this interview has been awesome. This interview has been absolutely awesome. I love uh, really your mindset, those those things that you, you talked about there. And then also you can clearly see the passion and uh, through, you know, through 
how you're saying everything. So it's just uh, really, really, um, it's really inspiring. So it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I appreciate you coming on, man. You know, it's been it's been a while. I've been wanting to get you on here for a while. Um, you know, everything you're doing is is uh, it's inspiring, man. It's motivating, right? I, I love seeing the growth that you've had uh, over a very short amount of time. But as as we've explored in this uh, in this interview here, it wasn't really short, right? It was a journey for for eight years, really. You know, where you started kind of growing up and developing the skill set. And so, I just want to remind the audience, you know, this isn't. Um, Nothing is done overnight. Nothing is done overnight. Everything is done behind the scenes and people just get to see the outside. So again, thank you so much for uh, coming on, man, and sharing your experience uh, with the audience, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And I really appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> of course, Mike, anytime we have a conversation, is it's a fruitful one. And and definitely, you know, I love the military cash flows, you know, mindset and, and mission. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that the listeners got something out of this and hopefully I'll be back for another one. Yes, sir. Yo, next time you'll be back, you have like those twelve hundred units, man. And we'll talk about that. Better. You remember, like just like you know, last year when we had you on, you were saying you you know you had fourteen. Had Listen, like- if you don't scale from zero to twelve hundred units in in three years, and what are you doing? Hey, so uh, hey, this has been a great great time, man. Great time. So, um, yeah, I don't really have nothing else. This is uh, Dan Wynn and Mike Glassby. All right, signing off.